What's up, everybody? Y'all doing good today? It's good to see each and every one of you today. My name's Dusty. If I've not had the privilege of meeting you yet, my wife Kendra and I serve as the lead pastors here. Such a thrill to welcome each and every one of you. And I want to look into the camera and say a big hello to all those that are watching online today from literally all over the place. Come on, Heartland Church, help me welcome them today. And uh, man, I'm so excited. I'll talk a little bit about Seek Week in just a second. Let me tell you a couple quick things, uh, a couple things that you need to know, just some housekeeping. Uh, first of all, today is step three of our The Growth Track. Uh, so if you are one of those people uh, who God is sending our way, who wants to jump in and join the team and be a part of what God is doing here uh, in our church, uh, we have partners. We don't have members. We're not a country club. Uh, we are all on mission today uh, to do what God's called us to do. And so I'd love for you to join us. And God's doing a really great thing in our church right now. Our church is really growing. Uh, God is moving. And uh, I would love for you to be a part of, uh, of what he's doing. So join us uh, in the student auditorium, out the doors and to your right uh, at the end of the service. would love for you to take your next step and jump in with us. And then I want you just to save the date. A couple of quick things. I'll just mention briefly, our men's night is on Friday, September 9th. I would love all the men in the room. Come on, men, let me hear from you. Yeah, there you are. And I would love for you to be a part. And then all you ladies, we have forgot about (laughs) y'all. Renew Women's Conference is taking place uh, Friday and Saturday, October 14th and 15th. And you can learn more about Men's Night, guys. Go online right now, theheartlandchurch.com. All the info Uh, is there for that. And then today is our final group leader training for the semester. Uh, We're getting ready to launch here in just a few weeks. I am so excited. So many of you have been saying yes to joining us and leading a group. Uh, I think over two or three times more groups that we're going to have this semester than we've had in the past. So you guys are killing it. And uh, I'm so thankful and I'm so excited about all the different groups. It's going to be amazing. And I can't wait for you to be a part. We're in the last week of a series that I started at the beginning of this month called So For Yourselves. And I'm having Devin play for just a second because I I want us to pray here in just a moment. And if this service goes anything like, 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 uh, like, (laughs) like that first one did, uh, then uh, this one will be uh, just amazing. So uh, I I, want to talk about worship today. And I want to put kind of a, a, just a seal on what God has done uh, this whole week. Come on, are you thankful for what he's done at Seek Week? Uh, I'm gonna tell you, when, when I communicated with the team several months ago about this idea, it was hard, it's always hard to explain a vision that's in your heart when it's never, when we haven't done it for the first time. And uh, sometimes I just, like, I just kept saying, like, you just gotta promise me, like, you just gotta, you're gonna have to feel it, you know, I, I, what I see God doing and, they trusted us and went with us, and they were fired up too. Uh, but that first night, <laughs> Cody walked up to me, and he goes, wow. You know, like it was, uh, it's just amazing to see so many people gathering in prayer an hour before the service, hundreds of people gathering in prayer uh, for an hour. I'm just so thankful, and I'm so proud. I've said this a couple of times, but I'm just so proud about how our church has responded. So let's put a bow on, on this whole week. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 3 uh, with me today. 2 Kings chapter 3. And uh, I, I will start, first of all, just let's just ask God to be with us. Father, we welcome the power of the Holy Spirit into this service right now. And we're asking that you show yourself uh, this morning. I have seen 
your glory uh, fill this place over the last several days. And I want to see it again. Uh, and so we ask right now that you come and meet every person here. Uh, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen. 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 All right, let's look at some scripture today. 2 Kings chapter 3. Uh, this will actually be uh, one of those kinds of messages where I use a few scriptures and then uh, I'll just talk for a while uh, instead of weaving them in and throughout. Uh, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. I wouldn't even bother with you, he says. Uh, now bring me someone who can play the harp. Come on, everybody say, play the harp. Uh, while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says, this dry valley will be filled with pools of water, and you will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. I know that some of you have had just an amazing seek week, but can I just give you a little bit more uh, this morning? Uh, I, wanna, I wanna finish this whole experience by teaching a message today that if you're taking notes, uh, you can call it this, Remember Judah. Write that down in your notes, Remember Judah. Why, or maybe a sub, subtitle of that, Why Worship Matters. Why Worship Matters. I love good preaching. Is there anybody here that loves good preaching? I love, I love opening up the scripture. One of my favorite things to do is to teach. Uh, sometimes I get up here and I just want to teach the word. I love to do that. I love to uh, preach the word. Uh, I love to receive great preaching. Come on, this week, I was on the edge of my seat uh, all week long when these different communicators were coming and, and preaching God's word. I, I just, I love it. On average, I probably listen to two or three messages uh, a week outside of the message preparation that I do because what I know is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so uh, every Sunday, I got another opportunity to share God's word and it comes around uh, quite frequently. I'm just gonna tell you. And so I need to stay inspired. I'm, I'm constantly trying to grow. I'm, I'm constantly trying to ask God, what more do you want to share with me? I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying to stretch my thinking. I'm, I'm trying to build. I just love great preaching. Uh, and by the way, I always hope great preaching and teaching comes from our church uh, because you never know how a word uh, in a season of your life that you need it most can stir your faith. Amen, everybody. In addition, I love our programs, uh, all the different things that our church is doing, the missions trips, and I, I, I love uh, our small groups and I love the fact that there was a big student lock-in uh, this past Friday night. I'm just really happy that I didn't go to it. Come on. <laughs> I'm so glad. I did that for 12 years as a youth pastor. And uh, there, about 4 a.m., I felt like a demon would come into me uh, in those moments. Uh, I love the serve opportunities. I love the conferences that we get to do. And not just that, I'm so thankful for this space that we get to worship in. You know what I mean? Like, like this is such an incredible uh, building. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, it takes a lot to keep it looking nice. I think Dave, Kathy, and Greg, and our whole team that oversees our facilities around here keeps it looking great. Uh, 
And, and I have friends that come here. And, and even this week, a couple of the guys who are about to either renovate a building or, or try to build a space for their churches, they have young churches, and they come in here and they're like, oh my goodness, I just love like what God has done through your church, you know, and, and the space that you guys have. But as important as all that is, and, and there is a place for all of it, there is a place that worship can take you that nothing else can take you. That there is something that worship can do that knowledge can't take you to. That no matter how good of a church we have and how great uh, of a job people do, none of that can take you into spiritual maturity alone. That there are things in your life that can only happen in your life when you value and when you live a life of worship, everybody. And, and, and I can't even, I don't even really know how to explain it, but th- there's this thing that happens in your life whenever you go into a deep place of worship with God and, and you experience his presence. And, and I'm just gonna tell you, there's like this space, this vein, there's this place with God that when I get to into a deep place of worship that I experience his presence and it's like nothing else I experience in this life. It reminds me of Isaiah 40, uh, verse 31. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find, come on, say it with me, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And I love this verse because what I've learned is that learning to trust God is developed in the place of a life of worship. And, And that when you learn to develop a life of worship, It transcends you. It takes you to, worship takes you to a different place. It takes you to a different perspective. It brings you to a higher altitude. Worship makes you breathe air differently because you're in a different stratosphere. And you can start by not feeling it. You can come in and not really have the goosebumps, not really feel like you're wanting to feel the vibe today. But as you begin to worship and as you begin to wait on the Lord, strength will come to you you and I don't know how to say it other than just like he lifts you to another place. It can happen in your car. It can happen in your living room. It can happen in a place of business. It can happen in a church service. It's going to happen here today, everybody. There's just something about the right song. Come on. At the right moment. that you need it most, that can change the atmosphere of the room, but more importantly, change the atmosphere of where you're at. But it brings you closer to the heart of the Father. I want to talk about this text that I just read for you for just a moment. In this particular text, there's a conversation taking place between three different people. The first is a prophet named Elisha. The other two people are kings, a man named Joram and a man named Jehoshaphat. Give you a little geography and history for just a moment, very basic. But the nation of Israel had been divided into two nations. The southern nation was called Judah and was ruled by King Jehoshaphat at this time. The northern region uh, was still Israel and it was ran by a man by the name of Joram. And here's why Joram is really important is because Joram's parents were wicked leaders over Israel named Ahab and Jezebel. That was his mom 
and dad, extremely, extremely wicked rulers over Israel, built idols, killed prophets, a terror to the people of God. And so very likely King Joram grew up watching some of these, what I would call some of the major highlights and milestones of the Old Testament. He probably was there when Elijah called fire down upon the prophets of Baal. He probably watched that with his very own eyes. And so he had this unique perspective, right? Because he knew and was raised under the wickedness of his mom and dad. And yet he also kind of saw how God protected his people uh, and how he protected uh, them through all of these different situations. And so when King Ahab and Jezebel died and King Joram took the throne, he, he smarted up a little bit. The, the way I'd say it is that he had a little bit of a conviction not to follow their example. And so as a king, he started to tear down idols and he started to, to, to tear down some of the altars that were built to these false gods. But it's not like he was totally good. It was sort of a partial thing. In fact, if we go back to the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 3, it says that he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. But here it is in scripture, but not to the same extent. It wasn't quite as bad as his father and mother. He at least tore down the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had set up. In fact, if I could just say it this way, I, I think King Joram suffered from a divided mind. He, he couldn't decide what kingdom he was for. One day he was fighting for truth and he didn't really know what to do. And then another day he was fighting for evil and he didn't really know what to do. And, and I'll just say that it's honestly sort of a miserable place to be in with God. It's a place that's lukewarm. It's a place that's halfway. It's a place that's double-minded. It's a place where you're always torn. Come on, some of us in this room are kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? Like loyalty just seems to always kind of be divided. God, I love you, but I really love my friends. I don't want to offend my friends. That's kind of the place that Joram was at. But at the same time that all that was taking place, there was a nation called Moab that had disrespected Israel. And so Joram was going to war with this nation, this nation called Moab. Now, again, the problem with Joram is he's, he's kind of an idiot, but he's also kind of smart. And, and so he's smart enough to realize that he can't win this battle alone. And so he reaches out to the leader in the southern kingdom, the king of Judah named King Jehoshaphat. And, and the Bible says that when he reaches out to King Jehoshaphat, immediately King Jay says, I'll help you. You know, I'll help. Judah will join the fight. We will join together with Israel and we will come together as one. Now, there's this tension, right? Because Joram isn't close to God and he knows he's not close to God but he knows that King Jehoshaphat is very close to God. So if you think about it for a second, it's, it's sort of a smart move if you're King Joram, you know? I can connect myself to King Jehoshaphat, and though I'm outnumbered, and though I can't win this on my own, I know that King Jehoshaphat is connected to the Lord and maybe he'll do one of those call those fires down from heaven type things or whatever, and we can somehow get the advantage. So it's really smart on his part. But while it's a high point for King Joram, it's a low point for King Jehoshaphat. It's a low point because when Joram asks him to fight, King Jay doesn't pray. He doesn't ask God. He doesn't seek his counsel. He just says yes and he goes. In fact, I'll just say this. This is a problem all throughout King Jehoshaphat's life. 
In fact, it actually ruins his legacy. One of his greatest weaknesses was that he didn't know how to say no to the wrong people. Come on, any of you teaching your kids this? The right voices lead to the right choices. That's something we tell our kids all the time. He was always yoking himself to the wrong relationships. And now, here he is and he's done it again. And now they're going into battle and Joram tells him, I have an idea. Let's attack Moab, but let's attack them through the wilderness of Edom. So they come together and they go through the wilderness of Edom to attack Moab, these two nations together. But as they go through this wilderness, what they quickly realize, they go to one spot, they go to another spot and another spot, and they realize that all the water sources are dried up. That's a problem. Because without the proper water sources, they can't water their animals, they can't water the men, and it means a certain defeat for them. And so these two men make a decision, we're going to go, and we're kind of in a dire situation, so let's go talk to the prophet Elisha and ask him, what should we do? And that's where we pick up in the story. It's sort of a long explanation, but what do we do in this? And so they walk into Elisha's tent, and Elisha looks immediately at King Jay and looks at, over at Joram and says to King Jehoshaphat, what's he doing here? What is this man doing in my tent? Elisha's not stupid. He remembers King Ahab, and he remembers Jezebel, and he remembers the things that these awful people did to him and his mentor, Elijah. He remembers all of that, and now that man is standing in his tent, and he doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like, what are you doing here? He's got, how many people know, this is like, dun, dun, dun. this is like a moment of drama, there's some beef, there's some past pain. And Elisha's like, uh-uh. But it's a critical moment. You have to understand the tension of the moment because Elisha knows that if he just sends them out of the tent, really the whole nation, I mean, a whole nation can die in this moment. And so the pressure now, between because these two kings have come to the prophet, the pressure is really on this prophet, and he makes this powerful statement, and it's where we started today, and it's where I want to go for a few minutes in just a moment. He says this. He says, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you. I got nothing to say to you, Joram, except the only reason you're in this room still right now is because of the respect I have for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. In other words, I don't like you, but you're here with Judah, and I love Judah. So you can be in the room because of my love for Judah. It's fascinating to me because the prophet says this, and there's no mention of there's a whole nation that could die, and that's why I'm talking to you. It wasn't about a nation. It, it had nothing to do with the terror that was reigning in that region. It wasn't about Moab. I'll talk to you because of one reason. Judah is in the room. If Judah wasn't in the room, I wouldn't talk to you at all. Somebody says, well, what is Judah? Well, Judah was the tribe of praise and worship, if you remember back into the Old Testament. 
It was the tribe, these were the musicians. This was the tribe that would lead them into battle because worship and praise always led the battle. So if you can imagine, we got the men with the spears, we got the men with the shields, and then here's the tribe of Judah. They're running out in their skinny jeans, you know, and they're, they're leading the way. <laughs> Judah always led because they were always supposed, worship always leads the way. It's one of the reasons we always start in worship. Worship goes first, everybody. Worship sets the table. Worship defines our posture. How many people know that we need the Spirit of God to be released in this place? We need the Spirit of God to be released in this atmosphere and in this room and in your life. And the reason it gets released is not because of some words that I'm going to say. It's because of the altitude that we're lifted to because of the Spirit of worship. We need Judah, everybody. A church that ignores the role of Judah, a church that ignores the importance of Judah, misses out on the presence of God. And if we miss out on Judah. We miss out on the winds. We miss out on revival. We miss out on the promise. We miss out on the spirit of God. Let me say it this way. Every room that you enter, every problem that you face, every difficulty, every offense, every abuse that you come up against, it's your responsibility to acknowledge and not to ignore Judah in the middle of it. In every season, in every dry place, in every desire, in every decision that you have, you must connect directly with worship. And I promise you this, that you'll be in some deserts in your life. But the only way out of the desert in your life is if you can learn to connect with the spirit of worship. You can worship yourself out of discouragement. You can worship yourself out of indecision. You can worship yourself out of fear. You can worship yourself out of pain and darkness and depression. You must understand the spirit of worship, everybody. And what the story teaches you is that no matter the odds, you can find your way through if you stay in the place of worship. In fact, let's just do this for just a moment. In fact, lift your hands all over this room right now. Psalm 134 says, lift your hands into the holy place. Father, we just take a second even this morning and we just worship you. Come on, all over this room, just lift your voice right now. Say, Father, I worship you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that your name is exalted and lifted up. I, I thank you for the way that you've been present in my life and ever present help in my time of trouble, Lord. I put my eyes, I set the atmosphere of my heart on a place of worshiping you with everything that I have this morning. Come on, let's clap our hands and thank God all over this room today. You know, many of you came into this room today and, and you're looking for something. You're searching for something today. And can I just tell you, I'm afraid that oftentimes we get it wrong. I think oftentimes we're looking to great preaching or we're looking to the people in the church as something that we can grab a hold of to help us. But I need you to know today that the truth is you already have everything that you need right now in your life to begin to worship. 
where God will meet you here. In fact, let me just say this. I don't know if you know this or not, but worship is a weapon, everybody. And, and you can walk into the room and ignore it, or you can walk into the room and pick up the weapon called worship and choose to embrace it. Even this week, one of the speakers referenced Paul and Silas. And as he referenced it, I thought, Dad, come on, I'm going to be talking about that on Sunday. Well, Paul and Silas, we've heard it so many times. But the reason is because it's so fitting. They're sitting in the middle of this dirty prison. They've been beaten within inches of their life. They're surrounded by guards. They're surrounded by hopelessness. They're surrounded by just a terrible circumstance. It's, it's a terrible place to be. And suddenly, Paul looks over at Silas. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And Silas is like, oh, we doing this right now? We doing this? Somebody in the back yells, stop, stop singing. A guard's like, what are you doing? It's prison. No singing here. And see, if he looked at the room, if he looked at all the hostility around him, if he looked at all the ruins around him, if he looked at the stench and the smell and the darkness, come on, how many people know? It's not a place to worship. But he makes a decision in his life that no matter how hard this gets, I cannot stop worshiping. And the Bible says that they begin to worship. How great is our God. And they actually, an earthquake began to take place. And they changed the atmosphere of the prison because of their worship. And some of us are waiting right now to get out of our prison, to get out of our circumstances. God, change everything that's happening in my life. Get me out of this job. Get me out of this circumstance. And God's saying to us, I want you to actually realize that if you'll get in the place of worship, if you'll get in the place of my presence, I'll actually remove you from your prison. We must, we must, we must learn to connect with the spirit of praise and worship. We think of it as like a style. Oh, it's like a church style. Oh, I like this style of worship. I like it this way where it's good music. But listen to me. These people that come up here, they're not here for your entertainment. They're not here for for you to stare at. In fact, if we're really honest, their posture... If we all just did what we really mean, we would all just face this way. Audience of one. Right here, we're focused on you, God. It would be a little awkward because... (laughs) But that's why they're up here. They're not up here to sing to you. Let me sing to you and let you see how good I am at singing. They're here to say, here's a song that you can sing and lift up to Jesus. And while you're doing it, it's going to build your faith and going to lead you into a spirit of worship where you experience the presence of God. Listen to me. The things we do here, we don't do it because of tradition. We don't do it because of culture. Everything we do in worship, we do it because the Bible gives us instructions to do it. 
And that's the expectation when we come into a room like this and we all collectively gather. We all come as one. We're one body, worshiping one God, singing to him, worshiping him, thanking him, exalting him, singing to each other about the faithfulness of God. Look at what God has done in my life. Look how good he's been. God, you are so good. You're the God of the universe and his one body and in one accord, we lift up the name of Jesus. And as we do, it changes the circumstance of our room. Do you realize there are verses on clapping? There are voice, verses on singing? There are verses on lifting up your hands? There are v- verses on shouting? There are verses on dancing? Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. And can I tell you something? Those expectations don't care about your spiritual background. They don't care about your opinion. They don't care about your personality profile. They don't care if you've been raised in church your whole life. They don't care if you're just calm and really reserved and I'm worshiping in my heart. They don't care about your leanings. God lays out expectations in the Bible of what he wants from us. Whenever we begin to worship and a lot of us walk into church and we just sort of ignore those verses and stand. Worst posture in church. You ready for it? Coffee, slump shoulders. Hand in pocket. Some of you should see yourselves. Can I just tell you something? This is not the posture of worship. Say posture has a, or worship has a posture? You bet it does. Not saying, not against what, look, this is sort of weird. We just opened a coffee shop. (laughs) So it's not that I'm against coffee. Drink the coffee, like chug it. You know what I mean? Set it down. I'm here for you, God. This is why I'm here. I'm here to get in your presence today. Oh, here I am again. It's been seven days here with all my friends. We're going to give you our best today, God. I I love the story of King David going. Well, he wasn't the king yet. He was just David at this time. He goes into the room where King Saul is. And the Bible says that there is a distressing spirit that was on Saul. And he goes into the room and starts worshiping. And the Bible says that that distressing spirit left. You want to know what bothers me about that? Here's the thing. Saul had access to the same spirit. Same God. He knew what worship was. He knew what praise was. But somewhere along the way, he began to think that worship was someone else's job. But it was his job. Kendra, worship is our job. One of my greatest responsibilities as your pastor. Oh, I could go on a soapbox right now about pastors and not worshiping. You know, tell me something, it drives me crazy when I go into a church and I don't see a pastor worshiping. You expect all these people to worship, but you don't set an example. You walk in 25 minutes late to church. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna gonna do this. It's not nice. The greatest job that we have is to show you and model to you and be at the front leading the way in worship. 
And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to worship and I'm going to clap my hands and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to sort of awkwardly jump. But I implore you today, do not let me worship alone, everybody. Let's worship our king together every Sunday, every time we gather. Let's make it the same spirit and passion. Now listen, I want to say something. It's so important and I can't tell you how important this is, that you learn to not just do this in church. It's not just a church thing. It's so much more. I hope that you have a Spotify playlist or a worship CD or something that you just turn on and you just worship to it. At some point in every part of your day, Every morning on the way to school, we take our kids. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Kendra. But our kids know every morning we listen, we worship on the way to school. Every morning. And intentionally, parents, I want you to just listen for just a second. I intentionally will sing. I'll intentionally lift a hand while I'm driving. I'll intentionally start to praise God. Because I want my kids to see. I don't want my kids to see dad worship on Sunday and never worship anywhere else. I want my kids to understand every single morning. And then I'll, go, I'll drop them off at school. And then sometimes I'll, I'll go to the gym or sometimes I'll just go on runs around my neighborhood. And, and many days when I run around my neighborhood, most days I have a worship playlist that I listen to. And most days on those runs, a song will hit at a moment. And I'm telling you, I, I, we live near kind of a, a real busy street. I'm telling you, people probably have thought many times I'm crazy. Because I'll be running and I'll just stop. And I'll just right there on that sidewalk, I'll just start stopping. I'll say, Lord, I just worship you today. I give you my day. I give you my week. Father, I thank you for your goodness. This is messing up my mile time right now, but I don't care. I'm thankful for your goodness in my life. I'm thankful for what you've given my family. I'm thankful, Lord. I worship you. I praise you. Don't let a day go by where you don't worship everybody. Everything in my life has to get parked at some point in the day so I don't ignore Judah whenever he comes into the room. The only reason Elisha stayed in that room was because the king of Judah was there. You, you, you know what I've, I've learned as I've studied worship in scripture? I've learned this, that God regards worshipers different than everyone else. He always has. You see it all throughout his word. There's a special favor that rests on people who understand that they were made to worship. That's, that's actually why I think God has favored this church all these years. Can you believe it? Like 70 years. And, and, and our church has found ways to reinvent itself and, and stay fresh. And you walk in here, you'd have no idea the history and the people. And it's just because from the start, there's been a culture of worship. People even say, they'll walk in there and say, your worship, it just, it's, there's a different spirit on the worship. It's a different anointing. You know, what I, you know what I think? I think in heaven, 
There's going to be continual praise and worship, continuously, going on all the time. Listen to me. If it's good enough for heaven, it ought to be good enough for earth, everybody. And my prayer is that in our church, the kingdom of God would exist on earth here in this place and amongst our church as it is in heaven. This is our opportunity. You know what I've learned? Your day-to-day worship in public will never be greater than your day-to-day worship in private. Today, I watched my wife during that last song. I watched her fall to her knees and she was crying and worshiping. You know why she does that? It's because in private, that's who she is. She's that way all the time. Doesn't matter where. You put on a song and Kendra hits the floor. And you know, you, you think to yourself, how could she do this? Is that fake? No, no, it's not fake. It's because she knows how to get into a place of worship in the private place of her life. Out of the overflow of private worship comes your public life. And what I tell God, God, if there's another level, there's another place of intimacy with you, I want that place in worship. Some of us in this room, we're living our lives right now imprisoned. You feel bound. You feel addicted. You feel stressed. You feel worried. You feel afraid. It's because there are handcuffs on your worship. (laughs) You're you're worshiping God. You're just doing it in a straitjacket. Some of you are like, well, I love God. And I'm like, well, you need to tell your face. (laughs) Tell your body. (laughs) Tell your hands. So if you're like, I've never been in that kind of environment before. Okay, start small. You know, just lift the TV. You know what I'm saying? Just lift it right here. (laughs) Just lift the TV up. Move to the fishes this big. The fishes this big, everybody. (laughs) Eventually, you'll get right here to touchdown. Come on. Yeah, it'll happen. Eventually. And every single one of you that's mad at me right now and judging me, you have no problem going crazy at a Cowboys game. So you say, I don't know if I can be that emotional type of person. Listen, worship is emotional by nature. It's not based on emotion, but it is emotional. And that's different. Adoration comes from the inside of you. This, This past week, uh, after Seek Week, Kendra and I got away for a couple of days and we went and celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. And, uh, but as we were sitting at dinner that first night, we just started to talk. And I'm gonna tell you, I got emotional. Started telling her how much I loved her. And girl, you make my liver quiver. You know what I mean? Like, I just... We started talking about everything that God's brought us through. Started telling her some of my favorite things about her. It's like, you you don't think that's emotional? Oh, no, it was emotional. (laughs) It's emotional. I'm going to tell you, when there's something that gets on the inside of you, and I think about God, and I think about his love, I think about how he has loved me despite me. 
It compels me. That's why with true worship, you can walk in one way and you can leave another way. And if, you, if you've never experienced that, come on, tell God, God, I want a greater intimacy with you today. I want my intimacy, intimacy and my love for you to just grow. It's not showing up at a church service that I'm talking about. I'm glad you're here, but as a pastor right now, I want you to know what it's like for you just by yourself in your individual place because you can be here with a big group of people, but God can meet you right there where you're at all alone, just you and God. I'll tell you this real quick. I'm getting ready to, to move on and we're gonna close. But we, we went to Seattle a couple of weeks ago. We were there for a, a big pastor's conference. and First night after... The service, I just felt, you know, I just, I just be honest. I, I went into the conference really tired, and I, I just sort of felt like I was in a funk. I told my wife, I feel like I'm in a funk, you know. I don't feel like myself, and so we talked about it and had kind of a long conversation. And the next, the next night, I don't know something. Just like I realized, I don't have anything to be worried about or distracted about. You know, as a pastor, when you're here, I'm gonna tell you, there's a million things going through your head. You know, are they here? Are they here? You know, how can I pray for them? How can I let, it's, it, honestly, it's hard. But I'm here at a conference and there's, I don't have a single thing to worry about. And I remember in that worship set, I got on my knees. And God met me there. And I felt like I had pulled into a Sam's Club and filled a car up with tank, uh, my, my tank up with gas. Filled my car up with tank. <laughs> and if I'm honest with you, I walked into that church service with a tired spirit. And I walked so full of God's spirit out of that place. I'm gonna tell you, it, it's like it fueled me. I came back home, preached two weekends in a row, and I, I, it wasn't just a fire that was sitting, it was, a, it was out of a place where God had been speaking to my life through worship. And listen to me, you're gonna hear a lot of messages over the course of your life. Sadly for me, you're gonna remember very few of them. You just will, you're not gonna remember a lot of them. But you will never forget the relationship that you built with the Holy Spirit whenever you just spent time with him and him alone. And so if you look past anything, look past me. Look past the pulpit. But listen to me, do not look past worship. Lord, help us right now to not ignore worship. Some of us have big problems. We got big things going on in our lives. We got big worries but they're nothing compared to the size of our God. I'll share this last thing. In the Old Testament, when you read about worship, there's not, I don't know a lot of things, but I do know a few things. And one of the things that I know is that God was very clear with the Israelites about the instructions about how they came in and exited the temple. In fact, at one particular point, the Bible says that if you come in the north gate, you have to exit out the south gate. If you come in the east gate, exit out the west gate. If you come in the north gate, 
exit out the south gate. What I think God was teaching them was the law of worship. And the law of worship is this. Whatever way you come in, go out the opposite way. Leave differently. Leave with a renewed commitment. If you came in here discouraged today, leave here encouraged. If you came in here frustrated today, leave out with the joy of the Lord. If you leave in here in a place of fear, come on, leave out with the spirit of confidence. Change me, renew me, God, do a work in me, but don't let me leave the same way that I walked into this room today. Let me leave here differently. And so Elisha knows what it's at stake. And so he calls the worshipers into the room. He says, bring me someone who can play the harp. Now, we don't, we don't really play harps that much anymore. We've, we've not, we've ast- we're astute now. We've gained some instruments along the way. So I wouldn't say, bring me a harp. I'd say, bring, bring me the piano player. Where's he at? Bring me the piano player. And the harpist, piano player, would sit in the room and he would begin to play. Like now. Bible says that while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. You know, this week, that's what I prayed for you. That as the worship began to be played, the power of the Lord would fall in this place. Because we need supernatural direction, God. Is it okay right now if God just speaks to you through worship? Just close your eyes all over this room right now. Fill this room today with your presence. Fill this room with your presence, oh God. Sing it out real softly for a second now. We just get into the posture of worship today, God. where we meet you, Lord. You have everything that we need in your presence. 
Come on, let's lift it up to him all over this room today. Why don't you stand and just sing it out to him? Can we sing that out to him today and say, Great are you, Lord? Great are you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. One more time. Great are you, Lord. Want our prayer team to come all over this room today. Join me down at the front. Here in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you, but. I believe that God wants to meet some of you here today. There's something in your life that you need Jesus for. There's people kneeling today all over this room. I want you to know that's always okay here. For you get into the lowest place that you can get. I'm telling you, a man who's on his knees doesn't have any more room to fall. You can't get much lower than that. So I thank you for your presence here right now. I wanna tell you that if you wanna give today, there are boxes in the hallways different ways that you can give that are on the screens behind me. But here in this moment, uh, I wanna thank you for just being so faithful in your giving because you allow us to do all the things that we do. This week we didn't charge for Seek Week, you know, anything, just because you give. And so it was free and we want it to always be that way. So thank you for allowing us to do ministry uh, from my heart to yours. I'm so thankful for you and for the way that you give. I feel the presence of God in this place right now. Somebody asked me a couple days ago, they said, man, can we do Seek Week more often? 
you know what I told him? That, listen to me. I said, you can have Seek Week every day. Seek Week's not limited to a space in a church service. You can have Seek Week in your home. All you got to do is find a place to get still with Holy Spirit and let him begin to love on you and you love on him. I'm going to tell you, he'll meet you there every single time. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So Father, we thank you this morning that you're meeting your people here. We love you. Oh God, that we would have a greater intimacy with you today. Oh, that your spirit would go with us out of this place today. Thank you for an incredible week of fellowshipping with you. But now, Lord, let more continue to bubble up out of our love for you. In the weeks ahead and in the days ahead, I pray that a spirit of prayer and a spirit of worship would captivate our hearts in the small places and in the spaces of our lives that are so busy, Lord. We want to tuck them away so that we can spend time and intimacy with your spirit, God. We long for that, and we thank you this morning for meeting us here in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen with me today. Our team is gonna continue to pray and continue to uh, lead, and so if you wanna stay in worship for a little bit, if you need prayer today, we're here. This is your official dismissal. If you're part of Growth Track, go over and uh, spend it with us. We love you, God bless you guys. Come on, let's sing it out. It's your, come on, it's your breath. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, 
There's nobody like you. You're the only one. 